Welcome to Speed Movie Minute, the podcast where we break down the 90s action classic speed one minute at a time. And where we always try to stay above 50. I'll be your SWAT officer, Roger Wistar. And I am your wildcat behind the wheel, Bentley Michaels. And this is this is Friday's episode. This Woo. is Minute 30 of Speed. We're about to finish. Apparently, we're going to finish our sixth week of the movie. Yeah. This minute starts with Jack angrily answering the phone, and it ends with uh, Payne explaining how the bus bomb is set up. Yeah, this is great. Like all you would, all you would really have to do is watch this minute, and you would understand the entire plot of the movie. This is really like I've got notes if, about that if, later. Yeah, if they wrote down the plot of this movie on the back of an index card, as apparently every Disney movie has been done, like this minute is the index card minute, which mm-hmm. we will get to. But first, are you ready to answer the trivia question that you basically already answered yesterday? I am. Okay. So we talked yesterday about villains and payphones. I don't even know if you can. Do you think you can call a payphone? I'm just curious. Is that a thing? There's a couple still around. Like No, I don't mean like, I don't mean can you still call a payphone? I mean, when there were payphones, can you call them? Yes. Okay, so that's really a thing. I actually hear so slight tangent. Uh, on Roadhouse Minute, we had uh, Pete, the retailer from Star Wars Minute, on for a couple minutes. And he told me a story where he said in his apartment at one point with his friends, they had a payphone. Somehow they obtained it. He didn't tell me how, but he said that they hooked it up so that when people called his licensed home telephone number, the payphone rang. Yeah, that makes sense. And you sense. could t- talk to people on a payphone from your from his apartment. That anyway, makes sense. in this movie, which is Die Hard with a Vengeance, 1995, the villain communicates with uh, ja- uh, John McClane and his sidekick in the movie. And so my question for you was, who plays his sidekick? My favorite part of Jurassic Park. Hold on to your butts, Samuel oh, Jackson. You are right. Did you know, so this isn't in my notes here, but did you know that Samuel Jackson apparently has the highest total box office gross of any actor in Hollywood? Yeah. That is a wild story. I mean, I guess, you know, when you're in a couple Star Wars movies and all the Marvel movies, that's how you do it. Yeah. Well, and also Jurassic Park, uh, like that's we just true. said. Oh, yeah. There you go. Which Die at one Hard. Time was the highest. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, he's been in multiple Tarantino movies. Like, I'm not sure what their box office is, but like, I know he's been in multiple Tarantino movies. And then, of course, the 80s Eddie Murphy classic coming to America. I mean, he's just sort of incredibly prolific in addition to picking. And then he does voice work too. Like, I mean, he's been on, you know, he's been in. Plus, yeah, he's in The Incredibles. Yeah, he's, yeah, The Incredibles, Frozone, of course. But, like, you know, I think he was, he's been in several of, like, those animated Pixar Disney movies or, you know, whatever. Like, so, you know, once you got Sam, like, you know, it's, uh, they they, they cast those movies based off of celebrities and not actual, like, voice actor talent. So, I'm sure he's been in multiple. It sounded to me on yesterday's episode that you have a uh, soft spot in your heart for that edition of the Die Hard franchise. Are you a fan of Die Hard with a Vengeance? It's the first one I saw. Well, that doesn't mean you have to be a fan of it. Oh, I mean, but I mean, uh, yes, I am a fan of it, but it's also because it's the first one I saw. I enjoy that movie very much. It was was right, again, it was, that came out right around this time where I was 
watch movies with my cousin. So I'm sure we watched it there. And because, again, it was just like, you know, it was violence and language. There wasn't like there wasn't any nudity in it, I don't think. So, like, it was just like, you know, uh, curse words and, and gunfire or whatever. And so, like, you know. True Lies, another great movie that came out right around that time. You know that ninety four. Yeah. Well, True Lies is the uh, sister movie, I guess, to Speed. Right, yeah. they're both being produced by Fox at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Samuel Jackson is great in Die Hard three. This isn't the Die Hard minute, so we won't get a chance to talk about it. But I really enjoy the scene where he and John McClane are sort of first getting to know each other. Yeah. And he keeps calling him Jesus. Yeah. And he's like, why do you keep calling me Jesus? Do I look Puerto Rican to you? It's Jesus. Yeah. Now, something, 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 or I'm going to jam a lightning bolt up your ass. Yeah. It's such a great... It's like, it's one, a of the, great... It's like one of those really cool things, because Sam had that... that, that uh, Sam, like I know him. But he had just had that... Like he had just had that really cool thing in, uh, I believe it's Jackie Brown with Quentin Tarantino. And then he mm-hmm. had like the small part in Jurassic Park as like the computer guy that was constantly smoking. And yeah. then, and then the, yeah, then he had Die Hard. So it's like he had like a, this was like the start of his like really good run. That's well, still which, continuing. Which, ha- which, yeah, which hasn't ended. <laughs> yeah, that hasn't he's, ended. He, he, he's when like you, two or three when, things. When you, have a, when you have a 30-year run of uninterrupted successful movies, that's how you become the most successful box office gross of all time. Well, what's crazy, too, is that, like, I mean, he's very similar to Morgan Freeman and the idea that, like, they both got, like, their, they, they weren't, like, child stars. They weren't young stars. Like, they were already well into their 30s and 40s because, like, Morgan Freeman was in like the Kevin Costner Robin Hood in the early nineties, and you're just like, <laughs> what? Oh yes, he was. <laughs> and what a piece of garbage that film was. But oh like, yes, it is. <laughs> but like, it's still like you look at you're like, holy crap, there's Morgan Freeman. Like there he is. Well, th- unfortunately, this is not Sam Jackson minute. Well, it w- should be. What a podcast that would be. And I guess I I, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to my favorite co uh, pod. Podcast host Jay Cluett and Mark Hoffmeyer for one of Samuel Jackson's best performances on screen, which is in the movie Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> which, uh, okay. But let's get back to our movie. Sure. Uh, I want to just start off this minute by saying that Jack is so angry. I have never seen someone pick up a phone with more anger. Yeah. And what a great shot. Like, you know, like, because of how it's. Um... Uh, constructed like how how you like spliced it all you know one minute at a time yesterday's minute ended with like the camera down by the and like the phone and the phone starting to come up and then today's minute starts with it like coming up right up to his ear so like what a cool little shot and he's just like yep there he is but like gosh uh he is mad but it's because he's figured it out he knows who's calling so he's like, i don't i don't think he knows before he hears his voice really See, I thought differently. I thought like, because why would he answer the phone? Because he, because he's a cop, and there's a phone answering. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, a clue. I mean, I guess, man. But what do you like, think he's gonna do? Pick it up and be like Arlie Ermy and Seven, and be like, man, this isn't even my desk, and just hang it up. Well, I mean, if anything, now, granted, there was a huge explosion, so I'm sure, like you know, people in the the cafe are calling or whatever. But like, if anything. He should be running over to those phones to call, to call nine one one. Be like, "This is officer badge number, blah blah blah. We need this, this, and this. There's been an explosion on, you know, on blah blah blah, and da da da." And like, so I think he has an idea. Maybe he doesn't know fully, but he hears that phone ringing. He goes, "This has got to be something." 
Yeah. Oh, you know what? All right. I agree with you. I, I think there's like a moment sort of right at the end of minute 29 and right before minute 30, where you sort of see the tumblers click into place and yeah. he, maybe he's like, Oh, you know, insert expletive here. Yeah. I, I think it's maybe okay. a thing, a, a mental thing of like, I hope it's not exactly what I think it is. Yeah. That, no, that's, 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 that's a good, I think that's a good thought that he has answering this phone. It's very interesting. I think that our villain, uh, Howard Payne, because uh, you can see where he is when you finally see him here in his in his Jeep. Yeah, he's he's right across the street and very close to Keanu. And it it I, I don't think it's that crazy. Right. Because a lot of times you hear that arsonists like to see the result of yeah. their work. There was a castle episode about that. But like uh, oh. <laughs> like based off of how it's shot, because I can't remember right now. Is he basically like two or three spots ahead of Keanu's Jeep? And he's looking out like the same way that we just saw. Well, like- no, so if you if you go ahead, you can see that from so Dennis Hopper can look over his left shoulder and see the front of the bus. Oh, okay. Keanu is talking to us from the back of the bus. So technically there is a So Dennis Hopper's bus. truck was the one there, that was pulling the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that, wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> if he was like, not only am I gonna blow this bu- bus up, but I'm going to tow it very slowly. <laughs> No, I don't think that's happening, but there is a flaming bus so sure. between these two men. Okay. So they can't see each other. Right. I have a fascinating piece of trivia about this, uh, which, uh, again, as, as, our, as our amateur actor, at least, you will appreciate this. This minute is Dennis Hopper's first day on set. Oh, right. Yeah, I think maybe you've said that before. I might have, but this is the actual minute. And that's, uh, I got to say, this is a... This is a hell of a first bite to have to chew on. Yeah, I, I wrote down, first of all, great old school cell phone. Oh, and, yeah, I've got some notes about that, too. And he's like, and that's back when you had to pay for minutes, kids. So him having a cell phone was like a big deal. And yeah. I thought it was cool that it was sort of like the like second generation Zach Morris. Well, like the big gray one that Zach Morris used on Save the Bell. Like this was like the little skinnier. It was still pretty large. It was still long. Yeah. And, but it was like the I remember my dad having one of these for work. And Since you brought it up, uh, this the phone that Howard Payne is using in this minute is a Pioneer PCH 600, which is manufactured by Motorola in 1992. Motorola, yep. The name in phones. Yeah, the I forgot it was Motorola. Yeah, my dad had one of those for work, but he also had like one of the ones. Do you remember like the ones that like sat like in between your your um, yes. And the thing, and they like they they pulled out, and they had a cord on it. And it was just like a little phone, but it then it had you're, an antenna. So, so you're talking, so so millennials, all you millennials, and people that come after millennials who are listening <laughs> to our podcast. <laughs> before they had cell phones, believe it or not, there was actually a technology called the car phone, yeah. which is what you're talking about, right? Your yeah. dad had a car phone. Is that what you're saying? It was a portable car phone. My because- dad had a car phone. These were the phones, if you remember correctly. You actually had to take the antenna and like suction cup it to the roof of your yeah. car. God knows how much it cost. My dad never told me. But yeah, so this is a cell phone. My uh, my dad's was for work, and he was the traffic guy for Portland, Oregon on a radio station. So he would basically just go around and drive oh. the freeways like every – he that's that, he just drove around all day and like got on the freeways, all the stuff, and then he would call in to the radio station and – I thought the, they did from, that stuff from a helicopter. People with money do that stuff from a helicopter. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but back when gas was a a, a dollar ten a gallon, 
just stick a guy in a in a company car and give him a car phone. I saw a gas station today up here in Connecticut that was charging three ninety nine for gas. I almost fell out of my driver's seat because you were like, "Oh my gosh, it's gone down so much." It, yes. Yeah. Actually, yes. Yeah. The All lowest right, one I've seen around here is four twenty nine. I was just like, "God, I hope I need gas soon." <laughs> so Bentley, I hate to say this. Mm. This is this is our. This is our fourth and final joke of the week, mm. and it is a it is a rough one. I did not we, get this one. We are professionals, so we are going to approach this with dignity. <laughs> this is the so this is this is his very first line uh, when he picks up the phone. He says in a very calm but completely psychotic way. He says to Jack, "What do you think, Jack? You think if you pick up all the bus drivers' teeth, they'll give you another medal?" <laughs> yeah. Okay, All right, yeah, so yeah. let's let's rate that joke. Well, I didn't write it down, so uh, you know I'll give it like a twenty. I will give it a twenty-eight. Ooh, I feel like I'm being influenced by you. It's not a very funny line, but in the context, so I've I've learned from my co-host that within the context of the joke, it is. It's brutal. Like, I mean, he might yeah. as well have just come out and shanked Jack. All right. I'm bumping up. I'll go 25. Okay. Well, hey, no, 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 no. No. You, you need to go with your gut. Nope. Leave it as a 20. The, the, way, that you, the way that you just explained it. This I... kind of revisionist grading, Bentley, is the reason why America's educational system is suffering. You need to give, the, give them a grade and just go with it. At 25. That's what that's All my right. grade. Fine. It's still it, it's a middle of the road joke. Yeah, but, but it, 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 like, it, it is, is a savage burn. Yeah, it, it and not just because of the flames, kids. Yeah, but yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, but I, I I I wrote down my next note was like, what a great Dennis Hopper crazy speech. Like, what a great first day for him as an actor because he a he gets to sit down the entire time. Granted, <laughs> he's, in, he's in a car, but he just gets to be a psycho and like you know doing it this way like. He's just blown someone up. His first line is like, pick all the teeth up and all that. Like, that's got to just influence the rest of his performance for like the rest of the time. Cause it's like he, he sets his own tone in a lot of ways. And like, even though we've seen this character later on or earlier on in the, uh, the movie, him, it's later on in shooting. And so it's like he's setting his own tone right here as, a, as, a, as an actor. And like, it's a great crazy guy speech. Do you think, so again, as our acting consultant, our acting coach even, <laughs> do you think in your first day on set, like if you were Dennis Hopper, would you prefer to have a scene like that, which is so dialogue heavy, so you can just jump in the deep end of the pool and get going? Or would you rather have a scene like the one in like the, the uh, I don't know, later on in the movie where you just have like a couple of lines and you can kind of get your feet wet? Uh, since I... <laughs> Whenever I've done, like, in front of camera stuff, like, I've always shot it. Like, when I've directed stuff, I always try to do things where there's, n like, either zero dialogue or very oh. little dialogue. So everyone, we shoot for, like, an hour, maybe even two hours, and we get used to the fact that the red light goes on. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like okay, we're not, we're not being real people anymore. We're making pretend and action. And then it's like... So we do the stuff like where we walk in or we do like, so the clerk's musical that, that, that I shot all of that stuff in black and white at the beginning, we pretty much shot that in order, but, and it took us like three or four hours 
And then it was like us walking in and us doing this stuff and us like doing different little things and just, and so we got comfortable. So after like a couple hours, like it didn't matter. Then it was like, all right, now onto the talking stuff. And so I, I always try to shoot that way, but also like I'm dyslexic and I have a hard time remembering dialogue such a hard time. So I'm always very, very nervous. But when it's other people's stuff, like when I've gone and done other people's stuff that I did not write, I don't have that luxury. And, and like I've shot, I've been in some short films and stuff like that where they're just like, all right, uh, you, let's start with it. Like they shoot out of order, which makes zero sense to me. And they're just like, I mean, if, if there's multiple locations, sure. But if it's one location shot in a single room, shoot it in order. Like, but they're just like, let's get this big speech first and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. And it's like, I'm like looking at the thing and they're like, all right, you ready? I was like, all right, action. And I do it fine the first time. So, I mean, but if you're an actor like Dennis Hopper, who's been in tons of stuff, like this might be like his best way of warming. It's like, he's like, give me the big speech. We'll get that out of the way. Everything else is easy. I'm in a room tinkering with some stuff. I'm in an elevator tinkering with some stuff, you know? It's all like cutaway stuff. Like, give me the big thing, get it out of the way. So I don't know if that answered your question, but. No, I, I, I think that makes total sense. And I agree 100% with you about the whole <laughs> shooting out of order. I think our decision to do the last 15 minutes of the movie was one we will come to regret. Uh, and so we may have to do those again. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, he, he does an amazing job. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions I have about this minute, and I'm curious to see what you think about this, is I feel like there's sort of a central contradiction with our villain here. Because he goes, he at several points in this movie, he goes out of his way to say some variation of, it's only about the money. Yeah. Uh, but it's obviously not. <laughs> yeah. It's, it seems very clear to me that in addition to getting rich, he is definitely constructing a an elaborate scheme designed to torment the two people that essentially foiled his previous plot to become uh unfortunately wealthy like he didn't have to kill one of jack's good friends he didn't have to force jack onto the bus like it's would you, don't you agree with me like it's not it's not just about the money for pain I think I would say that, yes, I agree with you, but also I would rebuttal it with, I think um, it wouldn't matter who the two cops, the one cop, the whomever it was. It just happened to be these two guys because they're movie stars and we need, you know, we need, we need faces to sell, sell a movie, Roger. But like. I think it wouldn't have mattered who it was. I think he was going to. Are, do... are you suggesting that it didn't matter to him which cop was in the in the cafe when the bus blew up? I'm saying that I think he may have modified what he did because of the uh, like the because of the elevator thing. But I think if it had been Mac, I think he would have blown up his wife's car. It had it been like you know the the mm. chief or whatever, he would have blown up his dancing wife and been like called him and been like, Hey man, that's what you get for screwing up my stuff. Or the tall skinny guy, Mac second in command. Like, you know, he blows up Mac in front of his second in command. He's like, I killed your boss. And that's what you get for screwing up my, like, I don't, I think it was more of like a thing of like, you know, it happened. 
which kind of goes against my theory that he was like stalking him in the in the cafe thing or whatever. Because I don't well, think, I think he would have no, known. No, I think he absolutely was. Well, I agree with you that whoever had been the primary people behind foiling the elevator plot, it wouldn't have mattered who those people were. He would have figured out some way to create some sort of revenge. So, um, I I would. So maybe this helps our theory then. So the elevator thing happens, mm-hmm. and I forget. Does it say how long time has passed until they get the award? So could it have been no, a couple? No, of No, we don't know. There's no like. There's no Chiron. There's no. Text okay, so like I, you know, we'll say it's a couple of weeks passes. So now that I think now that's that right. Jack and Harry are in his vision. He goes, okay, now I'll, I can execute the second part of the plan. But these guys are my targets. So had it been anybody else, he still would have spent those couple of weeks being like, how do I screw up these people's lives? So I think it just happens to be obviously like our two heroes. Yeah, I mean he he knows he knows Jack by name, right? We saw that already when he was in well, he was on TV. He looked fat. Lair, uh, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, this. I I do think that Payne has he wants to. He wants to. He definitely wants to get Jack involved. There's no doubt in my mind. For sure, that that's part of this, and we're going to talk more about this next week. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he has this very slightly curious line when when they continue to hash this out. Yeah. So, but other than that, it got Dennis Hopper's is so great. Yeah. In this minute, just the way that he delivers it, it it's almost like he's got a it. His dialogue in this minute has a meter to it. It's almost like it's musical. It's like. And an Aaron Sorkin esque kind of rhythm to it, and I think it's great. Absolutely, I want like I love I love that park in the middle is like you know you think you can just walk away, you got blinders on to the world, but I got your attention now, don't I, Jack? Yeah, it's it's very well done and a great recreation on your part. Thank um, you. That was I, I'm getting better at doing impressions, or maybe I'm just feeling like I should try a little harder with you. <laughs> I, you open I, I the do- door for me doing impressions. I'm glad, you know, we're, we should always try new things. It's the only way our brain doesn't atrophy. Um, <laughs> That's I, fair. I do love the, I wrote down more plot, $3.7 million. Like he, he brings back up the money thing, like you were saying. And then, you know, we get our pop quiz hotshot from Dennis. We do. And so if you're counting, this is pop quiz hotshot three out of four that we will get. And there's going to be one more, but it's not going to come for a really long time. Pop quiz, hot shot three, the knowledge tree. And, uh, <laughs> but like, but what I wrote and it was not dissimilar to like what you were saying earlier, either earlier today or, or yesterday, I forget which, but it's like, I wrote down what he explains is the back of the movie box or it's the elevator pitch that you give to somebody. Elevator pitch. That's a good one. Bentley. I mean, that's what first, it's called. His first elevator pitch didn't work. I mean, that's what it's called, like, in the biz, Raj. I know. I was making a little pun there. No, me. I know what it is, and I stepped on it because, again, not funny. Oh. <laughs> My voice just there was recreating the sound of an elevator plunging. <laughs> no, that was like Mario falling out of the... Just like, just like the elevator. Usually my jokes fall down now, Bentley. <laughs> I like that one, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, 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 to me, like this, this is a great, this is a great little thing because in case it wasn't clear in the first 30 minutes, what was happening, you just got like 
re it just reset your brain because you have the elevator stuff and he mentions the money in there but then you have like you know 15 minutes of like of nonsense of like awards and drinking and like a coffee shop and he's like hey stupid this is what the movie's about remember i need my monies and i'm gonna blow some stuff up to get it yeah i mean we don't we there would be no other way really i mean i guess I like the way that I like that they chose to do it this way to yeah. hear it right from the villain's mouth. I mean, I'm sure you could have gotten some way kludgier way of getting this information. Like, say, say Dennis Hopper phoned in a bomb threat to the police station, and then you have like Mac on the phone to Jack saying this, like, but this, this is, or this there's connects- like a letter on Jack's truck seat when he gets back into it finally, like underneath. <laughs> His muffin is sitting on top of a like a handwritten like you know crazy letter that said all of that exact same stuff, <laughs> or maybe oh, this oh see here you go see we're 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 redoing speed in a way that would be better. Maybe Payne, this is a Dennis Hopper character, has co opted Vince, who's the barista at the bar, oh. and gotten to write the entire plot of the bus bomb on the wrapper of his muffin. Ooh. That's why Jack had to go back and get his muffin. That's why the muffin was so important. He's like, don't forget actually the plot a point. description. It's like, yeah. dear Jack, I have put a bomb in a bus. Hey, remember you me? must find it before the bus goes below 50. Dear Jack, it's me, the elevator guy. Uh, XO, yeah, XO, Howard Payne. Yeah, that, that's why, yeah, that's why, he, and the guy in the, the guy, you know, the guy probably has a bomb strapped to him in the coffee shop, so he's like, Jack, you need this muffin, man, you need to come back and get this dang muffin. It's, it's a, it, it would be a little bit like that scene, you know that scene in The Untouchables? Uh, you've seen The Untouchables before, haven't you? Never what? seen it. Yeah, God. it's been a while since, since we got to never seen it. Wow. All right, well. Spoiler alert for The Untouchables. There's a scene at the beginning where, say, a bomb goes off Mm. despite the best intentions of a very young girl to prevent it from going off. But instead, she just becomes part of the blast. Makes sense. Hey, mister, you forgot your briefcase. Boom. (laughs) All right. Oh, I've seen that scene. Yeah. I don't have anything else. I got nothing. Well... Let's conclude the week with a surprisingly unsullied pop quiz hotshot. Here you go. This is my first, I would say, obscure quantitative question of the week. But I will give you, as usual, I will give you a margin of error. This is a question about cell phones, as we did talk about Motorola, who at the time was sort of the only game in town when it came to uh, cell phones. Motorola invented the very first commercially available cell phone, which is called the Dynatac 8000X, the world's first commercially available cellular mobile phone, not a car phone, an actual cell phone. No cord involved. So my question for you, and because it's a little harder, you'll have 72 hours to think about it this time. (laughs) In what year, and I will give you three years on either side, plus or minus three years, in what year... Did the Dynatac 8000X come out? I will Gosh. give you a hint and say it's probably earlier than you think. Yeah, I'm already thinking. All right. Well, this will give you, I'll give you the whole weekend to swag that up. <laughs> and then I won't remember. <laughs> and I'm That's like, oh, right. Yeah, that was the question. <laughs> your, your 
unconscious mind, though, will work on it over the weekend. Oh, so I'll look man. forward to hearing what you came out with. Well, awesome. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another week on Speed Movie Minute. We really enjoy doing this stuff, and it's always a, a joy to have an excuse to hang out with my pal, Roger. Uh, make sure you're subscribed, you're rating, and reviewing our show so we're climbing those charts. Hit us up on Twitter at SpeedMovieMin or SpeedMovieMin at gmail.com. And keep the discussion going over the weekend. Hey, no spoilers on that Pop Quiz Hotshot in the discussion group. You know, it's Bus2525 on Facebook. Make sure you're playing along if you're a Spotify listener or on our Anchor page. And uh, keeping up with these Pop Quiz Hotshots and you get to play against me. Uh, We will be back on Monday with more Speed Movie Minute. But until then, in the immortal words of Sam the Bus Driver... This ain't no bus stop. <laughs>